All right, if you have your Bibles, I'll ask you to turn to Isaiah 7, verse number 14. This evening, Isaiah 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14, we're going to finish up our three-part message, really Christmas Reflections was the entitlement of the series, looking at Isaiah 7, 14, and if you uh, remember, that's good, if you remember that we remembered the declaration of the promised Messiah, that was from the very first part of Isaiah 7, 14, it says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign and we looked at the, the kind of prophecies foretelling the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we wanted to remember the declaration of the promised Messiah. Then we moved on to our second part where we were rejoicing in the delivery of the promised Messiah. We're at the next part of our verse where it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And of course we remembered what it meant that the Lord Jesus Christ came to the earth and was born and we were to rejoice in that and we should rejoice in that each and every day it's the game changer but now we want to have a look at our third part we want to think about responding to the deity of the promised messiah and surprise surprise that's taken from our very last uh, few words of that verse and these beautiful beautiful words where it says and shall call his name emmanuel and i've been speaking about that quite a bit over my Christmas messages, that, that thought, Emmanuel meaning God with us, and how we take that so lightly, um, take it for granted maybe, have become apathetic to it maybe, that God is with us. There is no other people group in the world today that can say that other than the born-again believer, the body of Christ, the church. You have the privilege. You're privileged people here. We're privileged people. You may not have felt that today. You may have struggled a little in getting going, and like, oh, the year, another year. Maybe you're going through the ringer, and you're like, oh, another year of this. And you can focus on all those things, but we forget who we are. One of the jobs of the, the prophets of the Old Testament was to come to the people of Israel and just basically tell them over and over again who they were, remind them who they were. They were God's covenant people and they had a unique relationship with him. And that's what the prophets came and did. They said basically to Israel, remember who you are. And it's my job to remind you today and remind me as I preach these words who we are. We are a blessed people. We are a redeemed people. We are forgiven people. We are a people with a forever home. And we are the only people in the world today that can say these words, God is with us. Only us. You may have woke up this morning and thought, ill health's with me. Financial difficulties with me. Anxieties with me. Job troubles are with me. Family troubles are with me. When I wake up and say, God is with me, because guess what? I trust everything else. But we forget. We forget. But we do have God with 
us. Over the Christmas period, we've sung Christmas hymns, we've sung Christmas carols. One of the ones that uh, people sing at Christmas, and one of my favorites probably, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And you know Christmas carols, although so many people that are lost sing them, but the words that they sing are just affirming of doctrinal truths. It's one thing about a lot of the really good carols is the doctrinal truths that they present are tremendous. But hark the herald angels sing. It says, uh, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, field and flesh the Godhead see, heal the incarnate deity. And that's what we want to think about. This God with us. The babe in the manger, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was born of the virgin, the one that was prophesied, the one that had the name Emmanuel. Why? Because he was God in the flesh. So we want to think about the deity of Christ. And when we think about the deity of Christ, that Christ is God, we want to get into what I like to call the reality of the realness of God. God is real. And for the believer, that should be 101 Christianity. But unfortunately, all of us, all of us, and I include me in this, live our lives at times as if God isn't really real. Now, none of us, if we're a believer, would ever say that. We never come up with that statement. Say, Pastor, you know, God's not real. But when we go about our lives and we face the world in our own strength and get caught up in it or get carried away with it or do things that we shouldn't do, we're really living a life that we're pretending that God isn't real for a little bit. But God is with us. And we have to live in the reality of the realness of God. What should that mean? The deity of Christ. What should that mean for us? How should that... uh, 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 Push our lives on in him. Let me say that. So that's the title of the message. Responding to the deity of Christ. Because the deity of Christ is is all important. It's all important that he was 100% God and 100% man. One personality with two natures. Not two personalities. Not God and man in a body sharing it, but meshed. 100% God, 100% man. That's the hypostatic union, theologically speaking. You say, well, why does that matter? Oh, it matters. It, It matters more than anything. More than anything. And it's supremely important that we get the deity of Christ right. It's so important. Because if he is who he says he was, he is God. And if he is God, then he has walked this earth, he has lived his life for us, lived it perfectly in obedience to the Father so that we could be redeemed, so that we could have the privilege to say God is with us. And then Jesus lays out some stuff, how we're to respond to him. When you read the life of Christ, when you go through the life of Christ, you will find that Christ was hard-hitting at times in what he said and the demands that he made. 
And we've watered it down and we've walked away from it like it's trivial or it's nothing and we can shape and form God how we want. That's idolatry. We can't do that. We have to go to Scripture to see what is revealed about the Lord Jesus Christ, about him, about the way he wants us to live, about how he wants us to live, about what he wants us to do in this life. And then this is not legalism. This is biblicism. What does Christ say? What does God say? Because Christ is God, and how are we to respond to it? You know, this deity of Christ is so important. That's why it's so attacked. Everywhere you go, people want to attack this concept that Christ was God. The cults do it. The other religions of the world do it. Oh yeah, Christ was a good teacher, a prophet, a healer. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is, his name should be called Emmanuel. God with us. So the deity of Christ is so important. And when we get the deity of Christ, that he is God, then the next level of importance down is how we're going to respond to that. How are we responding to that fact that Christ is God? That he is the creator of the universe? That he's the one that holds your very heartbeat tonight? If we could hear our hearts beat. That's God. Allowing that to happen. Making that happen. He's the one that holds everything together. Scientific world can't work out why the universe is held together and just hasn't flung itself completely apart. The Bible tells it. He holds everything together. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the creator. He is the sovereign ruler. He is the all-powerful one. He's God with us. How is that not a game changer for the believer? It's a mystery to me. It's a mystery to me. We were talking last night about, you know, these people in these persecuted uh, lands that, you know, to be a Christian, to be a believer, means to give up everything. And they're willing to do it because they know what they have and who they have. And then we come into Western society where we're programmed, oh, don't give up anything. Don't sacrifice. No, no, no. That's not the Western way. Look after yourself. Put you first. And we've swallowed it. We've swallowed it. And we've lost that, that appreciation of Emmanuel. God with us. So what are we to do? We're heading into 2023. It's a new year. It's a new year. We want to respond well. What are we to do? Two little things, and I'm not going to keep you long. Two little things. Number one, we've got to resolve to give our love. And when I say love, I mean agape love. I mean sacrificial love. We're to give it. Romans 13, verse 8 says this. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. We're to love, and we're to love others. Now, 
All of us are good at loving. All of us are good at loving. Generally, it's ourselves we're best at. Right? I mean, we do look after ourselves, don't we? And, you know, I'm not suggesting for any means that we, we, we go and live a monastic lifestyle and harm ourselves. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that this year ahead, maybe we should start to think of others a little bit more in a sacrificial way. A sacrificial way. We're going to be doing some things um, through the year to try and encourage that and to help us do that. One of the things that you can do is, you know, um, you just open your home up. Feed somebody. Oh, it's busy on a Sunday. Sacrifice. Feed somebody. Open your home. Share what the Lord has given you. Encourage others. Little things. Just give your love. I mean, Jesus himself, let's get to the words of Jesus. Turn in your scripture, if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 13, verse 35, because, you know, I, I want us to see this, because so often when any type of message like this is preached, the comeback is, oh, that's legalism, pastor. You're trying to force us into a way. I'm really not. This is your choice. But I am trying to show you what Jesus expects of you. John 13, verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So as believers, as the body of Christ, that's what we're to example. That's what we're to show. We're to have love for each other. We're to be willing to sacrifice for each other. We're to be willing to put ourselves last and think of others first. To think about the body of Christ. There's an example. On how we can be helping and serving and help building that up and encouraging others in it. I mean, it's one of the things that we can do. I mean, Jesus is clear, you know. If you're a follower of Christ, this is, this is your pattern. Love. And this takes work. Don't come easy. But it's what we're to do. So this year, as we think about the year ahead, why don't we resolve to give our love? Just one little thing at a time. You know, the easiest way to get to the top of the hill is to take one step forward. So let's not think about the big goal. Let's think about the one step forward ahead. What's the one step that we could be doing, each one of us, in our lives to encourage somebody else a little bit, to build them up a little bit, to show them love? What's that one little step? And then when you've taken that one little step, take another little step. And sooner or later, you'll find yourself at the top of the hill and you look back and go, I've made big changes. I've made big changes. And, and I, I, honestly, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching to myself here. There's things that I should be doing more to love more. So we, we can work on it. So that's the first thing. Second thing, most important thing. Well, firstly, we've got to get our love in check. We've got to get our right motives. But then we've got to get to the action. So if we've got to resolve to give our love, we have to then follow through and resolve to give our lives. That's the cost of following Christ is to give our lives for him. Because we can't just live, leave love as a thought. We have to bring it into action. 
And that's where it takes the effort and the dedication. That's what James is talking about when he says, even so, faith, if it hath not works, it's dead being alone. So James isn't talking about that you work for your faith. What he is saying, your faith should work. Your faith should work. To do that, you have to resolve to give your lives. Number one, physically. Hands to the pump. Feet to the floor. And that requires a little bit of sacrifice. It does. I don't think for any minute that that Jesus is going to say to us that we have to quit our jobs and go and live in a commune. That's not the context that we live in. But I do believe he's calling us all to some form of service. More than just Sunday morning soak in, but some form of service. You'd be surprised at the gifts you have and the abilities you have. We've got to resolve to give ourselves physically. Think about it. It's what the Lord is, is calling us to do. And, and honestly, I, I, I say this honestly, I mean this, that your growth will come through service. Growth comes through service. If you're stagnant in your Christian walk and you're wondering why, have a look at what you're doing in the local church. Because that's how you grow. It's exercising your faith. It's building those muscles. It's being the believer that you're called to be. Um, so you, I mean, I'm even going through this in my head, and this is not, it's not rocket science, is it, really? I mean, there's nothing radical here. This is basic fundamental Christianity that's been lost in the Western world for some reason. I don't know why. And, and we live, in, in, fortunately, in a world where generally in churches, it's, it's 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Called the 20-80 rule. And that just goes on and on and on. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know why. We, why that as, a, as a church that we think it's acceptable, it's not. How is that love? How is it love to watch your brothers and sisters in Christ carry a burden of ministry or work or effort and just watch them do it and don't lift a hand to help? How is that love? That's not love. That's not love. We're a body and we're to function together. That's the call. That's the call. So we're to give ourselves physically. Also, you know, we're to give ourselves practically. What does that mean? <laughs> here we get to the subject of tithing. We don't bring a church plate round. We don't do that here. But we have an offering box at the back. Because the ministry doesn't run in buttons and confidence. <laughs> it takes money. And if God's blessed you, then I believe you should be given. Not all your wealth, not at all. But if God's blessed you to earn, then he's given you that gift. Use it well. Use it well. And it's not like, I want to shake any money out of you. But this is your walk with the Lord. And the Bible's clear that God loves a cheerful giver. That you're given to the work. You're part of the body. You may not be able to give yourself physically, but you may be able to help financially. You may not be able to help financially, but you will be able to help physically. Whatever it is, give into the church. I think pastors are afraid to talk about money sometimes. I know missionaries, when they do their presentations, they're afraid to talk about money. But 
<laughs> That's what's needed. This is a nice building. Are you warm tonight? Good. Good. We don't have <laughs> a little wood stove out the back there. We have to pay the big electricity companies to pay the building, to do the work, to do the ministry. All these things. To pay me. I need paid. <laughs> Believe it or not, I do. But this, this is ministry, honestly. For, for I, I really believe for our church to really go forward, I do think we need more members of staff, full-time staff. I really do. Because when you have one guy, he can't do it all. There's so much I want to do this year. There's so many people that I want to invest my time in, that I want to teach, that I want to build up. And, that, and that's my job as a pastor. And there's so many other things, but I can't do it. So really, what would be the ideal thing for us is to have an assistant pastor, hopefully to have a youth pastor. We can't do that if the people aren't given. Here's the reality. Here's the reality. If everybody in this church that attended this church just give, even even you take the 10% figure, we could easily, easily have those two people in, in staff roles. So what's, 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 you know, what are we to do? We're to get our heart upon the Lord. Are we in this or not? What's our goal for 2023? Is it for his glory and for his kingdom? Or is it for our glory and our kingdom? These, these are the focuses. And, and honestly, you know, this is not you have to do this or die. This is between you and the Lord. All I'm doing is, is setting out the, the basic principles for what it is to be a believer, to count the cost, to put Christ first and be willing to walk in him. Go and read your Bible tonight and see what Jesus says about it. He's there. What's, what's the problem then? What what what? What is the problem within churches and in Christendom? I think sometimes, you know, there's, there's people that profess Christ that don't possess him. So that's, that's the truth. I think some people are, are spiritually immature. That's maybe a reason. And then some people can't get past the sacrificial element of being a follower of Christ. It's too far to go for them. But we've got to examine these things. Paul says, doesn't he? Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren. When Paul says, I beseech you, he's using the strongest possible plea in that language to call upon the people to say, by the mercies of God, given all that you have, who you are, what you have, you can say, Emmanuel, God is with you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know, when we do all these things that I'm calling for us as a church to do, this is not so we can stand before God and say, see, I've done it. How good am I? This is reasonable service. This is, this is nothing special. What, what I'm calling may seem radical to you, but it's nothing special. It's basic biblical Christianity. That is the call. And it's not just the call for the pastor. It's not just the call for the missionary. It is the call for the priesthood of the believers. That's one of your privileges. But with privilege comes great responsibility. And you're going to stand before the Lord one day and you will give an account. 
I'll give an account. I'll give an account for you. And I'll say, Lord, I told them. <laughs> and he'll say, but did you practice what you preached? That's what he'll say. But that's it. That's what we're to be about. You know, we don't want to stand before the Lord and be empty-handed. We don't want to stand before the Lord and be full of regrets. You have now. He's given it to us. And if we're to respond properly to the deity of the promised Messiah, that he is God with us, then we should live like he is God with us and we are with him. We're to be about his business as we enter into 2023. Number one, resolve to give your love. Die to self. Think of others. Number two, resolve to give your life to the one that laid down his life for you. Give him your life practically. Give him your life physically. Give him your life spiritually. Say, Lord, this is the year that I'm going to get on fire for you. You know, if we could enter into 2023 with each and every believer that comes to this church adopting this attitude, I, I have no words to describe what we could do as a church. I have no words to describe how much our lives would be changed as we all walk forward as the body. Everything would be changed. That's a guarantee. Everything would be changed if we all got on fire for the Lord, and I mean all of us. So as we enter into the new year, what are we going to do? 2022 is gone. Kaput. Dead as a dodo. It is done. And 2022 may not have been a great year in your walk with the Lord. It just may have not been. There may have different things, whatever it may be. Here's what I want to say to you. That the past is the past and there's no future in it. It's done. You can't do anything about the harvest that's past, but you can do something about the harvest that lies ahead. So why not make a determination this year that when we get to the end of this year, we'll look back and we'll say that was a life that was led well. I loved and I lived. That's what God wants to see. That's what will bless him. That's what will bless you. That's what will bless those around you. And that's what will make the difference in 2023 as we go about the Lord's work in his way. Let's pray.